اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم یوسیکم اللہ فی اولادکم لذکر مثل حظ الانثیین فَإِن كُنَّ نِسَاءً فَوْقَ اثْنَتَيْنِ فَلَهُنَّ ثُلُثَا مَا تَرَكَ وَإِن كَانَتْ وَاحِدَةً فَلَهَا النِّصْفُ وَلِأَبَوَيْهِ لِكُلِّ وَاحِدٍ مِّنْهُمَا السُّدُسُ مِمَّا تَرَكَ إِن كَانَ لَهُ وَلَدٍ صدق الله العظيم Yesterday we discussed the aspect of transactions on credit and the important aspect of recording what is done, having clarity, not leaving things ambiguous, not leaving room for disputes. And in the process we discuss something about inheritance. The person passes away, everything becomes the ownership of his heirs. The incident of that Buzurug who was sitting at the side of a person passing away, and when he passed away he extinguished the lamp and left everybody in darkness. And when people wanted to know why you did this, he says, because this now no more belongs to the deceased. He is gone. This belongs to his heirs. And since it belongs to them, we have to take their permission. So we cannot use their wealth, their property without their permission. So since we had touched on this, and this morning also we discussed partly the aspect of the law of inheritance, so it has been felt that inshallah we should deal with this subject in a little bit more detail. And this too is an extremely important part of deen, the distribution of a person's estate when he passes away, what goes along with it. There are many, many details in this regard. This ayat of the Qur'an Sharif that we discussed, that we just recited, here Allah Ta'ala discusses the aspect of inheritance, the laws of inheritance, the details are in these ayat. We're not going to go into all those details now. But just to understand some very important aspects in this regard. One is that this branch of deen, which is known as Mu'amalat, yesterday we discussed this, this pertains to a person's dealings and those dealings affect his income and his income affects his ibadat. What he's going to buy, what he's going to eat, this is going to be in his belly, this is going to be the clothes he's going to wear and he's going to be performing his salah with that, he's going to be going for hajj maybe with that kind of income, he's going to be doing other things. So whatever kind of income he has, it's going to affect his ibadat. And among mu'amalat is the aspect of inheritance as well. Because this also relates to money, relates to property, relates to ownership of things. So if this is something that is not done correctly, the same issue will apply. It will affect a person's ibadat. So we have to be hyper-cautious in this regard, very, very careful of how things are dealt with in this, with regards to inheritance. First, as we discussed this morning, that sometimes people make very dangerous statements, statements can, which can nullify a person's iman. So just to understand the concept of inheritance, so that these thoughts that lurk in the mind sometimes are cleared. 
which sometimes shake people's foundations, foundations of their iman. So to understand this very, very clearly, one has to understand what is the history of insan. Where did man come from? So Allah Ta'ala created every human being and created him from nothing. هَلْ أَتَى عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينٌ مِّنَ الدَّهْرِ لَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْئًا مَذْكُورًا That has this also passed through somebody's mind? Had he ever thought about that moment when he was not even something mentioned? He was not even existing anywhere. And then Allah Ta'ala brought him into existence. أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا أَنَّا خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِن نُطْفَةٍ فَإِذَا هُوَ خَصِيمٌ مُّبِينٌ Allah says, we created this insan from a drop of dirty fluid. And then he suddenly becomes an open disputant. He is now disputing with even the laws of Allah Ta'ala. So insan came, he came with nothing. When he comes, he doesn't even have anything to cover his body. He owns nothing. When he comes, Allah Ta'ala now grants him temporary use of various things in dunya. Whatever he owns is all amanat. Everything that Allah Ta'ala has given, Allah Ta'ala has lent it to him. But because this is a lengthy period of time sometimes, we tend to think that this is all ours. But it is all really on loan from Allah Ta'ala. Everything a person owns, that is why he will be asked about it on the day of Qiyamah. Where did you earn? How did you spend it? So everything is from Allah Ta'ala's side. An insan is just a very, if you call him an owner, he is a very limited sense owner. A very temporary degree of ownership he has. So in any case, time will pass, he will use things, he will have things. But those things belong to him purely on this level. So if somebody has borrowed something, somebody has somebody else's property in his own, possession, but it is not belonging to him, he borrowed it. When the time comes, the owner wants it back, he has to give it back. If supposing he passed away, he will have to go back to the owner. So he has no right over it, he will not be able to say that, well I kept it with me for 20 years now, so you can't take it back. It belongs to the person, 50 years, 100 years can go. If he didn't give it to you, you can't do anything with it, you'll have to give it back. So likewise, when a person passes away, all his belongings, all his possessions, everything belongs to Allah Ta'ala. And the prerogative is Allah Ta'ala's. As Allah Ta'ala wills, He may give the instruction. Allah Ta'ala could have given the command that when a person passes away, then every cent that he owns, everything must be given away in sadaqah. This could have been the command. And we would have had to comply with it because it belongs to Allah Ta'ala. Does it belong to us? Nobody has ownership of something in the sense that he is the total and complete owner. If Allah Ta'ala willed, Allah Ta'ala could have given this command. Every single thing must be given away in sadaqah. Nobody is allowed to take anything from it. Like in the previous ummads, the spoils of war, they were not allowed to use any bit of it. No matter how much must have come as the spoils of war, it all would be taken and put at the side of a mountain or in a mountain somewhere. And if it was accepted, 
if it was not something that was rejected from Allah Ta'ala's side, if it was accepted, the sign of the acceptance was that a fire would descend from the sky and it would devour this whole thing and there would be nothing left. And if supposing there was some problem, it will get left untouched. Once it happened, one of the Ambiya of the previous Ummads, that the spoils of war was kept, and suddenly nothing, they're waiting, but there's nothing happening. So he addressed everybody and said that, it seems that someone among you have taken away something from this spoils of war. You have committed ghulul. You have usurped or you have taken away, stolen something from this. As a result, nothing is being accepted. The mojiza Allah gave him, if in this time somebody has this kind of karamat, he'll make a lot of money. Because everybody will be lining up to find out where the items are. He said, well, the leader of each tribe must come and make musafaha with me, must shake hands with me. So now all the leaders came. One of the leader's hands got stuck into his hand. Can't separate it. He says, well, the ghulul has taken place in your tribe. One of you, the people among you is responsible for this. Now you bring your whole tribe and come. And they brought the, all the people and came. Now everybody is required to do the same. Two or three people's hands got stuck into his hand. He said, you are responsible. And they acknowledged, because now it, there was no way to hide it. They brought like a whole ox head equivalent of gold. So the point that we were making nevertheless, this was just on the side, that those spoils of war for those ummats was not permissible for them to consume. That was the law of Allah Ta'ala. Nabi Islam says, Allah Ta'ala saw the weakness of my ummat and Allah Ta'ala made the spoils of war halal. But the point is that if Allah Ta'ala willed, He could have done the same for us as well, in terms of the spoils of war too. And likewise, in terms of inheritance, Allah Ta'ala could have given the command, everything must be given away in sadaqah. But out of His grace and mercy, Allah Ta'ala declared that this must be given back to the immediate family of the deceased. But it is Allah Ta'ala's decision, His command, so it is his prerogative, like somebody is giving a gift. So it's up to him. He wants to give somebody a hundred thousand, he wants to give somebody one thousand. It's his prerogative. You can't question his decision on that. Up to him. So if Allah Ta'ala decides that somebody should get something and somebody should get something else, it's his prerogative. But Allah Ta'ala's commands are also not haphazard. Allah Ta'ala's commands are filled with wisdom. Whether we understand the wisdom that is not what is necessary for us. Our limited minds would not understand everything. We have to understand what is the command. What is the wisdom behind the command that is filled in there. Whether we understand it or not, that doesn't really affect anything. So if we consider that Allah Ta'ala has placed the responsibilities of various things on the male, Whereas financial responsibility, there's nothing on a female. When a person is married, so he is responsible for all the expenses of his wife, of his family. He might be responsible depending on the situation of taking care of his parents as well. 
he may be even responsible for taking care of other family, immediate family if there is no means for them to take care of themselves. The person is destitute and he is ill and he doesn't have any way of serving, uh, fulfilling his basic needs. And some immediate family member has the excess. He could be obligated to take care of the family members. There are various details in this depending on the situation. But the point is that at some place or the other he has all these financial responsibilities. In the case of a female, when she is still not married, the father is responsible. He has to take care of all the financial obligations. When she gets married, the husband is responsible. If the husband passed away or something else has happened, the father is not present anymore, then depending on their own financial situations, the uncles would be shar'an, in terms of sharia, obliged. The brothers could be obliged, depending on their position, to take care of their sister. And this will go through the lines. And if nobody else, then in an Islamic state, the Amirul Mu'mineen will then appoint or will allocate some portion from the Baytul Mal. So there is no financial responsibility at all on her in any case. This is Western society and the Western way of life. And it has made everybody responsible for everything. And as a result, the chaos that then ensues in society is obvious. Because everybody must earn their own living. So there is no mother in the house. Everybody is now gone to get a better quality of life. But in the process, there is no life left. They want to get a better quality of life. In the process, there is no life left. There is no family life. And there is no life. The children don't have anybody to give them that motherly love. And the end result is what is in the West. Unfortunately, to the extent that we are aping the West, to that extent we are suffering the same consequences. So, this is the issue here that Allah Ta'ala has, despite the fact that the female has no financial responsibilities. Allah Ta'ala has still given half the share of the male to the female, as is Ihsan. And the male has all these financial responsibilities, so he has a double share. Here there is no financial responsibility, but out of his grace Allah Ta'ala has allotted still half the share of the male. So This is just something for us to clear our minds. Not that we are responsible to know these wisdoms. This is not something we are going to be asked about on the day of Qiyamah. But just so that we understand that the laws of Allah Ta'ala are not haphazard. And this is something which the ulama kiram have extracted these wisdoms. This is also just the surface. The wisdoms are beyond our depth. Because Allah Ta'ala's wisdom is infinite, never ending. Limitless. So the wisdom in every command will be limitless. And a limited mind, limited understanding, limited intelligence, where it will ever understand something limitless. So our job is that sami'ana wa ata'ana. That we have heard the command of Allah Ta'ala and we have submitted and we have accepted, obeyed it. So in any case, this was in terms of inheritance, the little background to the commands of Allah Ta'ala in this regard. But to now go further in terms of inheritance itself, 
that this is a very important aspect of deen. And among the duties that devolves upon a person in his lifetime is to make sure that he has set the framework very clearly for the correct distribution of his inheritance after he passes away. And this is what is the function of an Islamic will. In the hadith it comes that a person, it is not permissible for him to pass two nights without having made a proper will, if he has something to declare in the will. There are two parts to that will. One part, there is nothing to say about it. Simply it is to say that whatever my inheritance is, it must be distributed according to Sharia, full stop. There is no, nothing left to anybody's discretion in that regard, that this son must get this and that son must get that. To make a bequest for an A is not valid. That bequest is null and void. Some person who would automatically inherit children, parents, and depending on the situation sometimes, others would also inherit automatically, depending on who the surviving heirs are. So to make any bequest for an A, that, that son of mine must get this, or this daughter must get this, the common thing, many a times, especially in the case of mothers and so on, now they make some kind of wasiyat, that this piece of jewelry must give it to that daughter, and that item must give it to that son, that is not valid, that remains still in the entire estate. And this is the ownership of everybody in their proportions. So, these some of these aspects we will discuss later, just to understand that what constitutes the estate. We'll finish off on this for today. That the estate, every single item form that was belonging to the deceased is part of his estate. The biggest item to the smallest item, whether it is his car, or whether it is some day-to-day -day item of daily use, the comb that he owned, or whether it was an office pen that he owned, or whether the old shoes that he now discarded in the sense that he stopped using it, because it's already now even beyond normal use, and he didn't wear it for 10 years, it was just lying somewhere, but he didn't give it to anybody yet, it still belongs to him, it's part of the estate. And whatever is part of the estate, this has become the joint ownership of all the heirs. And since it has become the joint ownership of all the heirs, nobody has the right to dispose or dispense of anything without the mutual agreement of all the heirs. Somebody decides, well, these old things, just give it away to anybody. But he hasn't consulted the others. He hasn't taken their permission. And especially if there's some orphan among the heirs, then this is a very delicate situation. So, many a times, these are very common problems. These are things which are done just on the womb. Anything, a person who has the control over it, or has it in his possession, he was perhaps living with the parent, others were not living with the parent, so now he takes it upon himself to do as he wills. This is a very de delicate thing, and as we discussed that this now will start affecting many things. Start affecting a person's income, start affecting a person's ibadat, affects other people's rights. Hukukul ibad, 
those rights might suddenly come back at a person, if not in this dunya, then it will come back at him on the day of Qiyamah. So these are very delicate things, and we need to be very conscious about how this is dealt with. This is a subject which often we don't even give a second thought to. So inshallah in the days to come, we will discuss this in bit more detail, and the various aspects that go along with it. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, that we conduct all our aspects of life, according to the way of the Qur'an Sharif and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. We have some time for individual du'a.